It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. Each and every week, we look at some sports topics of local interest, maybe a national topic or two. We've got a gambling segment, and then the segment I love the most, which you can ask me a question on any topic. You can go to Twitter weekly, and Rick will compile them. Just hit the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. We'll do that at the end of this podcast. And as always, a reminder, it's brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Uh, Rick, been quite a week around our shop, but I'm not going to get in behind the scenes details, but <laughs> here, here we are. We're, we're here. And we're, we're still out another podcast. We're still ticking here on the skinny podcast. That's can't hack this thing, but uh, yeah, that's right. I tell you what, one thing I don't want people to get confused with is our betting performance on this show. You continue to be on fire. We both had a good nine and five week this past week, but that is not reality for me in real life. I got absolutely crushed in real life, uh, so it did not go I, well for me. this past I, I, I continue to grind out a little profit each week, and I'm going to tell you. Two straight weeks, Texas has cost me a five-team parlay. Two straight weeks. I took, oh, them, in Oklahoma, no. against, I, I took them against Oklahoma. Um, I feel good about them as a team. I really do. I think they're a good team. I think they're talented. I think Star- Steve Sarkeesian is a pretty good coach. Um, and so that was a crushing defeat. And then I thought, I normally don't do this, but, man, I don't think Oklahoma State's that good. I'm, I'm going to roll them right back at minus four. And I'm, I was broadcasting a, a game, for a freelance game I was doing on Saturday during the day. Um, before the Kentucky game was was played, and that's when that Texas game was going on with Oklahoma State, and I looked at my phone at 24-13, and they had the ball, and I went, all right, they're not going to do this again. Well, by golly, of course, if they didn't do it again, um, suffice it to say, it's been uh, they, they've, they've cost me a good chunk of change the last two weeks. So, Texas, I'm going to have to fade you. You may cover the rest of the way just because things even out. But uh, man, and I broke one of my principles is don't don't bet back on the same team, but I did, and then shame on me. Well, that's exactly where I was going with this. I mean, I'd love to say that's two bad beats in a row for you, but in reality, you ever heard of fool me once, shame on you, fool me mm-hmm. twice, shame on no question, shame you on again. Me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what what are we doing here? All right. Well, let's get into it. We got a lot to get to locally. And believe it or not, first place in the AFC North will be on the line Sunday when the Bengals take the field in Baltimore to play the Ravens in a game that can be seen on local 12 at 1 p.m. Cincinnati is only a six and a half point underdog according according to current betting lines. Skinny, we know how difficult this Ravens defense can be for even the best quarterbacks to figure out, much less young QBs. How much do you think Burroughs experienced last year in Baltimore, a game where he really struggled, helps him this year as he gets to face the Ravens a second time? I think it has to help him and Zach Taylor a lot. I thought the game plan last year was bad. I thought he I actually thought he tried to protect Joe Burrow. Um, by, by going to some empty sets, um, trying to allow him to, to find one-on-one matchups quickly, knowing they were going to blitz. But the problem was they did literally everything it felt like within an eight-yard eight window, and Baltimore just sat on all those short routes. They never tried to throw it over top of their head. And if I remember right, that was a game where um, Auden Tate might have been the second wide receiver that game, maybe the third. I know T. Higgins obviously played. A.J. Green was a you know, shell of himself for a chunk of last year. So they really didn't have... They didn't really take any downfield shots, and so poor Burrow, um, there was a lot of free runners, and usually as a quarterback, you're responsible for the free runner. That's why you have the hot read of, okay, free runner comes, I know it's, you know, somebody has to be open, there's my hot read. Well, they took his hot read away, and hence, he held the ball too long, Um, he got belted 15 times, got sacked seven times, and I think that was a learning experience for him, and I I hope for for Zach Taylor as well. and if you want a comparison, um, there's a pretty good young quarterback that plays for the Los Angeles Chargers, right? Um, Justin Herbert just played Baltimore last week. First time he saw them. What happened to Justin Herbert last week? It was a disaster. Disaster. And that does that mean Justin Herbert's a bad quarterback? Of course it doesn't. Does that mean what Joe Burrow went through last year in his worst game of his pro career at Baltimore doesn't make him a bad quarterback? We've obviously seen this year. No, of course it doesn't. So I think him seeing it one time has to help. And, and I'll go to a couple things. I know it's some different... A little different, but, um, you know, he, he played pretty well in the first game against Cleveland on that Thursday night game, second game of the year. Part of it was he threw the ball 62 times. But the second time around, he was even better. He played that shootout with Baker Mayfield um, and, and was just outstanding. Had, had a better performance. Um, the second time he faced Pittsburgh's defense was this year in Pittsburgh. He had a better performance. And so, you know, I think some of it is you see some of those top-notch defenses once, especially in this division, um, they might get you. And if you're a gr- really good quarterback, 
um, which he is, you're going to figure it out the second time around. So I'm, I'm really, I think that's the thing he lost out on last year, right? Not a chance to see Pittsburgh a second time, see Baltimore a second time because he was hurt at that point. I, I, you know, that, that would have let you see, okay, he saw it, now he's improved. I think now that he's actually seen it, I, I know he didn't get the second chance last year, I think he will be much better this time around. Uh, you mentioned the seven sacks in that game last year. He's also picked off once. It was his lowest... An avalanche adjusted quarterback rating of his career just 4.2 the adjusted quarterback rating for burrow in that game uh you compared it to herbert he had the adjusted qbr of 18.6 last week against that baltimore defense and skinny i think the thing about why your point is valid here about seeing this baltimore defense especially more than just one time as a young quarterback is with don martindale the ravens dc I mean, they're blitz happy to begin with. They're a very aggressive defense, but it's not just standard stuff. It's a lot of delayed stuff. It, right. You know, it's d- delayed stunts and twists and, 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 then, and then, like I said, schemes. And, and then they take away your hot read. They're, they do a really good job of that. Yeah. And they do some of that where it's disguised, right? It looks like guys are coming after you and you, you know, guys have been coming after you all game. So you, you get twitchy and want to get rid of the thing quickly. And sometimes those guys are now dropping back into coverage. It's difficult to read even for an Aaron Rodgers or a Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who's been around the league for a long time. You can imagine what it does to the brain of a young quarterback. And with the Bengals, it's not just Joe Burrow that you're talking about developing and understanding what's taking place. A lot of this is on the offensive line, too. This is a big test for the offensive line. If you remember those first two games of the the year, we were talking about a couple of those very simple schemes where it was just a stun off the edge or a delayed blitzer that totally baffled them, and they, they were letting free runners come right in on Joe Burrow. They've fixed a lot of that stuff, but like we've talked about several times, it's also been against bad competition. So what's it going to look like when they have – some more complex things getting thrown at them from a really talented defense and a, a really good defensive coordinator. How are they going to hold up in this one? Yeah. And I, I just, I'm going to hate to see if they go to a bunch of empty stuff. I know that's the whole, you're trying to get the tell on the defense, but it, it didn't work against them. I don't want to trust five man protections. I, I thought they were much better. Rick, we talked about this and, and they did it against Jacksonville too. When they just decided to get under center, run run Joe Mixon downhill, run your play-action stuff off of that. I know this Baltimore defense is traditionally hard to run against, but I think this team, for the most part, when it's done that, has been really effective at running the football, no matter the opponent. So I think that takes some pressure off Joe Burrow, too. And listen, if you can get into your play-action game, guess what that's going to do to blitzers? They just can't come run willy-nilly. I mean, they've got to kind of respect the run game at that point. So... Um, I, I know they're going to go empty some. I mean, we saw the, the, the might have been the last empty set on Sunday against Detroit. I don't know if they went back to it again, but uh, it was a free runner there that decked Burrow, if you remember. I mean, he got clobbered on the play. And, and so I just don't think you can expose your offensive line to five-man protections very much. I don't, and, and hopefully they, they don't do that. But I think the other thing that you've got this time around, too, is you've got number one. And number one, if they're going to blitz – they're going to have to 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 man him up some. And yes, I do know Marlon Humphrey is not just good, but great. Arguably one of the top two or three corners in all the NFL, and he probably will likely shadow Jamar Chase. But I think Jamar Chase can beat any cornerback, to be quite frank, even the Marlon Humphreys of the world. Not 20 times a game, but I think you need to take your shots down the field if they're going to man him up as much as they will if they blitz. And I think there's your potential equalizers. You got number one. And if he can hit hit a hit a home run at some point, maybe early, then maybe that slows down the concept of blitzing. Maybe they do have to play a little more zone. Maybe they do have to roll a safety over there that then it completely exposes one-on-ones for Tyler Boyd and one-on-ones for T. Higgins um, and helps that running game. So I think he can be the differentiator here too, as much as the different difference of Joe Burrow seeing his defense a second time. Because he's proven it. I mean, this is no longer a fluke, man. We're talking, we're talking six straight games. That guy's made a big play down the field. Uh, you know, you do it once every couple of games, you're pretty good in this league. You're doing it once a game. That's elite. I think everybody around the league is recognizing how special of a talent he is. And not just that, you know, people kind of poo-poo the idea of the package deal or getting the the college teammate. I mean, that, that was sort of the storyline with Burrow and Chase. It's like it made sense because they had that rapport. But, I mean, that has made a huge difference. I the fact that they have difference. such a great chemistry from the start. I mean, Chase is special, but... They're so comfortable with each other, even if you just see like the mic'd up sessions from the games that they've had a couple times already. It's like 
Those two are very natural around each other on the field. And I think that is, has really aided them because T Higgins is talented, but he didn't have that same connection right away with Joe Burrow. He's not quite as talented as Jamar chase, but he doesn't have that same connection with Joe Burrow either. They're still establishing that. And they had to work on it all of last year that that Jamar chase and Joe Burrow connection has been a very legit thing for this Bengals team. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the other part, and, and it might rear its ugly head as we go deeper. It hasn't yet, and I don't think it's going to because just in all the conversations we've had with these guys, I just don't think they're the type to do this. But I, I do think there's times where Joe seeks out Jamar um, almost to the detriment of maybe not going to other guys, but it's, it, he does it because it works, so I fully understand that. But, you know, you get some teams with diva wide receivers of throw it to me, throw it to me, throw it to me. And I think that's the other positive here. So far, I haven't heard any of that from T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. I think they they both realize, hey, my day's coming. They're, they're going to have to eventually roll help to him on a regular basis. And when it does, Joe Burrow's a good enough quarterback to find me. Because um, you know how that is. I mean, you get there's only it's kind of the whole basketball scenario. There's only one basketball to go around. Not all five of you can score at once. And, and in football, not all of you can can get thrown to at once. So I, I think so far that that's that's been a positive that I think everybody understands that hey dude's got the hot hand I think T has actually said that specifically if I remember dude's got the hot hand keep feeding the hot hand and yeah if defenses are going to continue to to try to man him up some you're going to pay the price and I think the more this goes along the less he's going to get manned up okay that's fine then that means T Higgins or Tyler Boyd you're going to find those guys and I think their day is going to come for a big day as well so I'll be interested to see what what if if Baltimore thinks that hey. We got the best corner. He'll stop him. Okay, maybe, and, and we'll see on Sunday. But um, I don't know if I roll that dice if I'm a defensive coordinator any longer. I think I gotta gotta find number one at all times. Well, and it's also hard to say anything or be as oh, much sure. of a diva when the team's actually playing well for no, the first right. time, and no, right? That's right. I mean, that's right. But I, I, I honestly don't think it's their personality. I think they. Both I don't think so either. Ball, but I think they both understand that's just kind of how the game rolls, and my day will come. But it'll also be interesting. I mean, we've got the tough stretch that we've talked about coming up right. here. If they start to lose some games, then do we hear a little bit more chirping coming from some of those guys or a little bit more them just being unsatisfied with the way things are going? Because I do think Tyler Boyd is a guy that has gone from the most prominent receiver on the team last year in a lot of ways, it seemed like, to a guy that has disappeared a lot at times yeah. this year. So yeah. it's definitely come at his detriment with Jamar Chase having so much success. One last kind of thing here with this Ravens game, and you know, I don't want to get it too first takey with this, but it's come up a lot with the AFC North quarterbacks. Where are you at right now between Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson? Who would you rather have if you could choose? It depends on how I guess I'd structure my offense. I, I still think for the long haul, I want Joe Burrow, even though I, I'm going to say this, and he's the one that's coming off an injury. I'm still waiting for the day when Lamar takes a shot, and maybe that day never comes. I hope for the guy it never comes. I hope for that kid it never comes. Because he's just a silly, silly talent. Um, listen, I, I'll say Lamar Jackson just because of the just raw talent and and the fact that he's done it and performed and won games. Um, but I'm very comfortable if I'm the Bengals with Joe Burrow. It, it is a good question. Um, I know we, I think we ranked the quarterbacks at some point when we did a podcast over the summer or maybe in training camp or somewhere along the lines of of the AFC North quarterbacks. I mean, Lamar's number one still because he's done it. That that's the bottom line. That that guy is. That guy has performed at an extraordinary high level in, in many, many ways. But listen, I think you're going to win a lot of games with Joe Burrow quarterback too eventually, uh, the, the more this thing gets built. So uh, honestly, if I had to put him in a hat, I wouldn't mind which either one I picked out. I really wouldn't. I know that's a cop-out answer because I really don't have a, a hot take on that. Uh, they're both really, really good in very different ways. No, I think that's right. And I mean, I think right now it is Lamar Jackson one, Joe Burrow two in the AFC North, but Lamar Jackson. And then, and, then, and then hang on. And then hang on. Is Case Keenum three now? <laughs> I, I would say yes. Okay. By the way, I would say yes. But I, I think with Lamar Jackson, for as much as you know, people talk about him not being your traditional quarterback or not being an ideal quarterback, the other thing that doesn't get mentioned enough about him is he can take a lot of average or not even average players right. around him and still and give you That's an explosive right. offense in his own right, just because he's so unique and so dynamic. And it's like, you know, for as much as people talk about him not being able to throw, go look at the passing yards. He's been putting yeah, up in no, games he, this year. He's throwing it all over the damn place. And, and, and no you offense. have to worry about his running ability, which is so extraordinary. Yeah. And, and his best receiver is a tight end, right? I mean, literally yeah, his he best has receivers, very you know, little talent around him. 
you know, Hollywood Brown can make a big play every once in a while, but he can also drop three passes in a game too. So, yeah. um, And he mostly makes those big plays because he's got a Lamar Jackson. Right. Right. Rolling out on the run and making something out of nothing and bombing it downfield with his elite arm. So I don't think Lamar Jackson gets enough credit quite honestly, but at the same time, to your point about the long haul, even as much as an injury, you just have to think at some point when he's not such an absurd special athlete, then what does he become? Well, because and, he's and, not and, your traditional passer. He isn't. He, he can throw it all over the place, but a part of him being able to do that still relies on him being such a threat with his legs and moving all around. Well, and, and you and I argued about this guy last year, and it hit him the same way, Cam Newton. I mean, honestly, once once that 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 the, the legs went away for him. Well, and his brains got scrambled too many well, times, taking too yeah. many hits. I mean, there's that, that. Yeah, there's that. You, you do that, worry that, about that with that, a guy that plays that way. That's the thing about Lamar that fascinates me is, and I don't watch every minute of every Ravens game, right? And he's gotten hurt some. He, you know, he's, he's it's that's that's human. But it doesn't ever feel like he gets a hard hit on him, right? He he does a pretty good job of getting out of bounds. He does a pretty good job of avoiding heavy contact. And, um, you know, he's he's just got one of those knacks for being able to do that. So, uh, no, I, I have nothing but the utmost. I didn't think he'd be a good NFL quarterback. I'll be the first to say that. I truthfully didn't. I didn't like the way he threw the ball in college. I thought his mechanics were terrible and all of those things. But all, I, I I respect the performance to this point of his career. I mean, the guy wins games and makes plays. And to your point, he's done it with God knows how many different running backs behind him, right? Probably 20 different running backs in the last three years, it feels like, behind him. And with a, a, a what's not of, of wide receivers uh, to play with. So, no, I, I, got, I think the guy's, the guy's a winner. That's all I can say. He is very different from Cam in that Cam was that battering ram that would yeah, run was. through right. you. He never does that. What's really special about him is the way he can turn his hips and shift direction so quickly to where you never really get to hit him square. So, I mean, that certainly helps him from a longevity perspective. But again, it all in the NFL, those percents or fraction of a percent better when you're just a little bit more agile and a little bit faster and a little bit quicker than those other guys. It's a big difference when you come back down just one, two, three percent more and you're at their level all of a sudden, those other elite speed guys and quickness guys. I just don't know that you can do the same things that Lamar Jackson is currently doing. So it'll be interesting to see how long it lasts. For right now, I think you got to give him the tip of the cap. Yep, no question. All right, Cincinnati football, another week, another big upset at the top of the college football ranks ahead of them. Iowa was the latest victim as the Hawkeyes fell at Purdue, which meant The Bearcats moved up to number two in the country in the latest AP poll. Skinny, the Bearcats have gotten some big help in the form of upsets the last few weeks. If you could handpick the next favor done for UC, what do you think would benefit them most? What should UC fans be rooting for now, aside from their team dominating the rest of the AAC schedule? I would say Michigan losing before it plays Ohio State to make that an elimination game and then maybe make the Big Ten championship game for the the the, the next team an elimination game. Um, because Iowa's still going to be probably in the mix if it wins the Big Ten championship. I don't think it should be, but Ooh, it probably I don't think be. so. I think I, they're maybe, done. Maybe I don't think maybe you can not. lose them. I mean, this is yeah, all assuming not. UC goes undefeated, right? Well, yeah, yeah. we've always assumed that part. That, yeah, I, I mean, mean, you have even, to Hey, that. listen, every UC fan knows that's, that's part of the game. Right, so that, right. that part's the given. But if, but if UC goes undefeated, and I mean, they're still going to be ranked in the top couple, they're not getting jumped by an Iowa team that lost Pro- to Purdue. Probably not. That's probably right. Um, the, the next favor would be that, would be Michigan or and or Michigan State, because they're going to play an elimination game too. So one of those two losing, and then um, one of them losing again before the Ohio State game, perhaps. Uh, I guess the other favor, and you're asking for the next, but the, and, and this is way down the road because it would be the last game of the regular season, would be in the Iron Bowl if Auburn upsets Alabama. Yeah, that would be, I mean, if Alabama loses again, that would be absolutely huge. I'm thinking along the same lines as you, though, in the Big Ten. I would say, though, I think they need Ohio State to lose the most right now. If, like, for some reason, Ohio I just, State. But I just don't, I don't see it happen. I just don't. Oh, sure. I'm saying, but if you could happen. I mean, right. I didn't see Alabama losing in the first place. No, you know, I didn't see Iowa losing this early. So uh, all of these things have kind of happened in a lucky fashion, I would say for UC in a lot of ways. And listen, here's what Michigan's got left before it even plays Ohio state. It still has to go to Michigan state next Saturday. 
Um, then they have a game with Indiana in between. And then they still have to go to Penn State the following Saturday. So somewhere along the lines, get them a loss before the Ohio State game. Make that an elimination game. Now, obviously, if Michigan State beats Michigan, then the onus becomes on, well, what about Michigan State and, and, and having them lose? Michigan State still has... They still have actually. They still have to come to Ohio State and play. So there's your elimination game there, perhaps. So um, honestly, I think I'm at the stage of let Ohio State run the table because they're probably going to make it anyway if they do. Um, I know that would make Ohio State fans who listen to the podcast happy. Um, then that knocks off a, a potential second Big Ten team, which I think is going to be hard anyway. But then you're down to Ohio State, Oregon still in the mix, um, which they slopped through a win last Friday night. Oregon, um, Oregon is not in the mix. They lost to Stanford. They're I, I, not in. Dude, well, I, I, for every loss you give me to Stanford, Alabama lost to A&M. So, and, and they beat Ohio State. They've got a better win than, than Alabama does. They've clearly I'm, got a better win than Alabama. I know, I, mean, but, I, I know, but I'm telling you, you're not getting, as a team that's right, so ranked let, like let, 10th right now, and so, with so the let, loss to Stanford, you're not getting in. All right, so let's play this game real quick while we're on this topic. Next, no, week from two, whatever, November, whatever the hell day that is, November 2nd. Um, the first Tuesday in November is the first college football playoff uh, ranking revealed. How do you think it shakes down? If you did, if it was done today, how does it shake down in your opinion? If it was done right now, you would obviously see Georgia at number one. Yep. And then I swallow, think they'd swallow, go, swallow, swallow hard and say it because you're going to have to say it because I'm going to say it with they'd you. They'd go Oklahoma number two. Yes, correct. And then I think they would. I mean that you got to put a one loss team and the question is are you leaving out the Big 10 right here because Iowa just dropped out so are you saying right. one loss Ohio State is in or are you saying one loss Alabama is in and I think UC has to be in okay but so stop you could, stop you could very well see the committee saying you put one loss Alabama and one loss Ohio State in right yeah, here's what I think, though. I, I do think Cincinnati is going to be in. So to me at that point, and I know it's a fluid ranking, at that point, if UC is in, right, if they're in on that Tuesday, November 2nd, if they're in that first college football playoff ranking, how do they fall out at that point with, with if they don't lose? I, I that, agree. That, that they, to me is what's, that's what's going to be so fascinating is to see if they put them in at that point, well, then how in the hell can you eventually knock them out? And so I think to your point, that's where I don't think they'll be in at that point. I think it's going to be wholly unfair, but I do think you're going to see one loss Ohio State or undefeated Michigan, perhaps, and, and, and one loss Alabama being being in the college football ranking and UC being on the outside looking in still. But if they put them in, because I'm, I'm just saying, if you put them in at that point and they don't lose, how do you knock them out? Yeah, I I agree with you there. The only thing I could see them saying is Alabama may not be in right now, but if they run the table the rest of the way and win the SEC championship, and same with Ohio State, if they beat this Michigan team, this Michigan State team, and win the Big Ten championship, then maybe that's enough to somehow vault them over top of UC just because of the wins they would have picked up along the way and winning their conference yeah. championship. I'm with you. I, I agree. That's a slippery slope. Look. You're not going to get any argument. I no, I, I, I know that, but fully but, but, agree that UC should be in the playoff if they end up undefeated. I think it would be an absolute sham if they're not in it this season because of the way but, things have have shaken down. But, 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 you, but usually, Rick, the teams that are in that, that are in as they go along, when they get fall out, is when they lose. That's usually how it. How it's, it's usually teams not vaulting others. It's it's teams falling out and then somebody bubbling up. And that whereas that's where I go back to this whole if UC's in the first four. How do they eventually fall out? I'm totally with you. And I think that November 2nd, Tuesday, November 2nd, it'll come out after week nine. Those will be the first rankings right. from the actual college football playoff committee. When those rankings come out, we'll have an actual idea of what's going on here. I mean, we really don't know anything for certain until those rankings come out. The AP poll, everyone's saying, like, how could you see fall out if they're number two right now? The AP poll doesn't mean squat when it comes to the college football playoff. I mean, it can be looked at as a factor, obviously, in how they're forming their opinions and right, rankings. Right, but right, right. But it has nothing to do with the actual college football playoff selection committee. So, yeah, no, that's right. It'll be fascinating to see and where that, they have them. And I'm with you. And, if and you see, have that, them that's then, what, how yeah. would you drop them out if they don't lose a game? And that's where I go back to, I, for, I don't think they have them in. I think they say, listen, we don't think they're there until somebody else falls backwards again, like Alabama losing a second time. Maybe like if you put Michigan in, I don't think they deserve to be in at this point, but if you put Michigan in because they're undefeated, like Michigan losing. 
you know, like Ohio State losing again, like Alabama losing again. So I do think it's going to be Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and and Georgia in reverse order. And I think UC's maybe even going to be sixth on the chart behind an undefeated Michigan. So what's going to have to happen then is you're going to have to have those teams ahead lose. It's going to put those teams in position to say, if these teams run the table, that's who's in. And that to me is, I'd be if I'm a UC fan, I'd be extraordinarily optimistic if they're in in the four. I'd be disappointed if they're not, but... Hopefully they're in that spot where you kind of know at, at that point, here's exactly what has to shake out for UC to bubble back up. Yeah, and that's why I was looking at Ohio State being the most ideal loss. They've got at Indiana this week. Yeah, and I then just next see week, them doing it. I think they got their stuff together now. Oh, I do too. I think I'm they're my favorite bet on the board this week. And then they're uh next week they play Penn State. That game's at home. But, uh, you know, then you mentioned the Michigan State game they still have, the Michigan game they still have. But if Ohio State somehow picked up a loss before they got to the Michigan and Michigan State game, then yeah. both oh, yeah. Michigan and Michigan State are getting eliminated at that point. That, 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 when they that's lose correct. To Ohio State. Yes. So yes. that would be the ideal situation for UC is Ohio State somehow slips up and loses now, then just absolutely runs train on Michigan and Michigan State and ends them and Penn State, even for that matter, if that would happen and, and knocks them out for you. So. To me, I think that's what you'd be rooting for is an Ohio State slip-up loss here before they get to Michigan and Michigan State. I could also see if Oklahoma somehow loses, that well, would eliminate well, the Big 12, I think. Well, no, no it wouldn't. Well, Oklahoma State still has to play. Don't Oklahoma State be, going undefeated. But Oklahoma and Oklahoma State is an elimination game for yes. one of those two at the end yes. of the season if both of them are yes. still undefeated. That, so. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it is it is a fascinating year to be looking at this stuff before we get to a team like UC is in and, the Big and 12 then, and before and we then, get to an expanded playoff. This is a really fascinating year to see what will the playoff selection committee actually do with a legit and worthy non-Power 5 team. All right, and I'm, I'm, I'm jokingly saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. What if Georgia runs the table, beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, and there sits 11-1 Kentucky with its lone loss to Georgia. I mean, what if? I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I, I don't know. Be. I mean, they're, they're so ha- far down in the rankings they right are. now. I don't know that the committee is going to have them anywhere near it. No, but but if, if chaos ensues and we keep getting all these teams we're talking about losing along the way with a team that can't suffer a loss or a team that can't suffer a second loss. I'm just asking the what if, what yeah, if but chaos you, ensues like, and, and at the end if, of the year, it's, it's, it's Georgia undefeated, dominant Georgia. Kicking everybody's ass. And Kentucky, it wasn't great, but it wasn't an ugly loss to Georgia. They went there and battled for, for you know, two and a half quarters, and Georgia's better, and they're always going to be better. But I'm just saying, what if? Well, by the way, I don't think Kentucky should have dropped in the polls the way they dropped for that loss either, to Georgia. They was, played yeah. Georgia as well as anybody all year, yeah. and they you know lose a bunch of spots in the poll because of well, that. Well, if a bunch of turn. knucklehead defensive players don't stand there and not play to the whistle when a fumble's loose, boy, I, you, that you can imagine was being a around, tough play. You, you, I, can, you can be imagining around, being around me on that. I'm, I'm yelling while it's alive, jump on it, jump on it, and I'm wondering, what are you doing? Why, why are you not playing to the whistle? Well, I mean, that could have been a scoop and score, not just a recovery. Credit to you for recognizing it in real time, because I 100% thought it was a forward pass. Even after I saw the replay, I still thought it was a forward pass. But I thought it was it, after I saw the replay. I, it, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It was not ruled that way. And you're right. I mean, that, that would have been a completely game changing play right there had they fallen on it. But yeah, it, uh, brutal. that's neither here nor there. I, no, I do no, think if, right. if you got to that situation and UK was 11 one, the only loss was to Georgia. I still think an undefeated UC team that has been ranked yes, so highly all year absolutely. is going to be an over them. And I think they should be. And I'll be the first to say I think they should be. I do, too. Going back to the the I like I said, I'm kind of half jokingly saying that, but I'm just saying it'd be interesting. Think, I mean, it would if? be interesting to see where they end up in that situation. Like, how seriously do they get taken in the conversation? Right. Talking about the Big Ten, I was just thinking about this. I mean, if we do see Ohio State, let's say were to lose another, like if they did slip up and lose this week somehow at Indiana, and then they smack Penn State, smack Michigan, smack Michigan State. Right. The Big Ten is out? Is that that possible? I I think it has to be at that point. I mean, you've got four teams in the top 10. Right. And you might not get a team in the, that seems almost impossible. Like that's absurd, but yeah, I think it's not. I wouldn't say necessarily a realistic scenario because it's more than likely like Ohio State will run the table the rest of the way and they'll very likely be in or something. But it's it's not impossible. 
But no, I, I, I will tell you, the, the most fascinating games in the month of November are all going to be in the Big Ten for the most yeah. part, other, other than the Iron Bowl and then maybe Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. There, I mean, literally week in, week out, there's going to be a fascinating Big Ten game. It is. And I mean, and most of them involve Ohio State. You know, Alabama, you can say that you don't see a loss left on their schedule, but no one thought they were going to lose to Texas A&M either. I mean, in the yeah. SEC, no, every I, game's I, a game. I mean, honestly, I, I could I could tell you the Iron Bowl will be a, a dogfight. I think Auburn's a, a really good team. Yeah. Any other thoughts on UC or the no, college it, it, football? It, yeah, I, I just go back to that. That, that November 2nd will be really interesting. Just yeah. I, I think it will tell you what the path is for UC, in my opinion. I think if they're in, they're not falling back out. If they're out, then you can look at those above and go, all right, here's what I need to have happen to those teams. That's what I'm waiting for, too. We'll, we'll really know more after that. And whatever happens, you see, don't screw this up and lose a game. Don't, well, there's that. Too. Screw yeah. Up. yeah, I don't see it taking place. I just don't I mean. No. I mean, they're so confident right now. You and and they and are just running like, rush shot over everybody. And you know what else they are? They're really damn good. That's what yeah. else they are. <laughs> they are really good <laughs> on both both sides. Yes. I mean, they, their yeah. offense is almost as good as the defense at this point yep. against a- AAC competition. So, all right. Time to switch gears to basketball. Basketball season is here, Skinny. The NBA yeah, officially is. started its season this week. College teams have been practicing for a few weeks now and are participating in secret scrimmages and fan events with public exhibitions right around the corner. We discussed UC being picked six in the preseason AAC poll released last week. This week, we found out where the rest of the area teams stand in the respective conferences. Kentucky was picked first in the preseason SEC poll. Xavier and NKU were each picked third in the Big East and Horizon League polls. Severe Wheeler was named first team All-SEC, while Keon Brooks, Kellen Grady, and Oscar Shibwe were named second team All-Conference in the SEC. Xavier had both Paul Scruggs and Zach Fremantle receive first team honors in the Big East. And for NKU, Trayvon Faulkner and Marquez Warwick were both named the Horizon League's second team. Skinny, what did you think of the rankings for these other local teams? Let's start with Kentucky and the SEC. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that roster smacks of all the talent in the world, and I think that that makes all the sense in the world that they are they are picked to win the league. Um, you know, I, I haven't taken deep dives into many of the leagues yet because I know there's so much been so much fluid stuff that's gone on in this offseason with transfer portals. But I can't imagine there's not many rosters in the country better than Kentucky's roster. Um, so that means that there can't be many rosters in the SEC better than Kentucky's roster. As you mentioned, I mean, Severe Wheeler is a transfer from Georgia. He's a first teamer. So literally that that should be a Georgia player on an SEC first team, right? No, it's a Kentucky player because he's now at Kentucky. And then the second team, as you mentioned, you got three other guys on there. One of those is a West Virginia transfer. Um, so, I mean, uh, and the yeah, other's a Davidson transfer. And the other's a Davidson transfer. That's right. Yeah. So, and then you yeah, got I one mean, guy that's a returner. Yeah, and Keon Brooks, um, and and you know that that doesn't even factor in the C.J. Fredericks of the world and whatnot. Um, so no, I, I I think it's clear that they are the the best team in that league. Um, Alabama's got a good roster. Arkansas's got a nice roster, but I don't think they're even close to Kentucky. So that that I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine somebody who didn't vote for Kentucky number one in the league. To be honest with you, well, it is funny though because Kentucky's coming off of an embarrassingly bad year. And the roster is going to be completely different. So you would think in a year where you've got the COVID situation and teams can bring back super seniors, that somebody from an SEC conference that wasn't bad at all last year would have a roster full of experienced guys returning. And you just say, I trust them more. They've got everything figured out already. They've got chemistry. I'm going to trust them and put them ahead of this Kentucky team that was terrible last year and has a whole bunch of new pieces that they got to figure out, but they're pretty damn the good pieces. Well, they are pretty damn good pieces, but the and whole, they're but proven, and they're proven pieces. That's a, Severe well, Wheeler is a proven player. They are, but in that but, league, but not, but not all together at the same time. But here's my point about that: you look around the rest of the SEC and the top teams in the conference, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, they're all going to be starting at least two transfers or freshmen this year. So it's not like any of them have this roster coming back where everyone's intact and you know exactly how they're going to perform as well. I mean, they're, right. they're in a similar boat as UK, but they just don't have as much talent. No, yeah, and I think that, again, that's the thing. I think some of it too is, as I mentioned, it, it's not that you're picking this Kentucky team based on incoming five-star recruits. You're picking it based on some proven guys at the NCAA level too. That's right? true. I that's mean, that, true. that's the thing. And and again, a guy who did it in in that exact league and was a premier point guard in that league in Severe Wheeler. So I think that's that factors into the equation to me. Yeah, I, I really like Tennessee's team, but hate the style of play. I've just never been into that whole win with defense and we can't yep. score at all and slow it down. I'm hoping 
Rick Barnes will open it up a little bit and let five-star point guard Kennedy Chandler go. If he does that, I'm a little bit higher on this Tennessee team. And then Alabama and Arkansas, I love the style that both of those two coaches bring and the style they play. But my concern with them is they were teams that played super fast and also played elite defense last year. Right. That's not easy to replicate. And they've got new guys coming in. Remember that one game that the shot chart Alabama had? Was that against LSU where it was just ridiculous, either a three or a layup or a dunk? Yeah, I think they were number one in the entire country in terms of only taking layups and dunks. It's like a it was sh- crazy. shot selection was, stat. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it's like 85 or 90% of their shots come from right around the rim or three-point field. Or three-point field, yeah. any mid-range. They play in transitional. I mean, they were really fun to watch, but again, it's just like to play that type of defense while you're playing at that breakneck speed, you've got to have a special group of guys that are really connected and are really bought in. They're replacing too many guys to know if they're going to be able to perform to that same right. level. So not, yeah. I like them. I think they're good, but I'm, I'm not picking them over UK this year. That's for sure. Yeah, Agreed. All right. In the Big East, you've got Xavier picked third. What were your thoughts on the top of the Big East this year? That's probably right. I didn't realize Colin Gillespie's back for his 23rd year at Villanova. That's good <laughs> to see. And he was picked as player of the year in the league. Like, there are guys like that, right? Where you're like, wait a minute, didn't he start in like 2011 or well, 2012? Here, here, here's the problem with Villanova. They've had a guy that looks like Colin Gillespie starting yeah, at point okay. guard that's for 25 years. Yeah, I mean, like that, Ryan Archidiacono was the yep. same exact guy. And then when Colin Gillespie got hurt last year, Chris Archidiacono, Ryan's younger brother, stepped in. And, and you just had another guy that looked exactly the same. So, yeah, yeah that, they've that, been on that tip for a while. Yeah, I think the, the interesting one is is UConn picks second. It shows you how quickly they have they have restocked after coming out of the American, right? I mean that that's a pretty quick reascension because they were a middle pack American team for goodness sakes, and now they're picked second in the league. I mean, you know this better than I do, so I'm gonna I'm gonna more refer to you. But when you got two guys picked first team preseason all league, um, you're probably gonna be voted pretty high, and third seems about right. Yeah, and that's that's actually where I would have Xavier too, and it's funny because I had UConn second when I was doing my preseason rankings as well, but I was a little bit surprised on how it seems like everyone else is so sold on UConn being second. And part of it is for the reason that you bring up, like this UConn team hasn't really proven a whole lot under Danny Hurley. Their first two years in the AAC under him, they were not very good. And then last year in the big East, they ended up doing okay in a weird COVID year where not everybody played the same amount of games you know, they end up winning 15 games. I think it was, they get a seven seed and they get bounced in the first round by a 10 seed in Maryland. So it's like, I don't know that UConn has earned this benefit of the doubt that they're getting because they lost their best offensive player in James Booknight, who got drafted 11th overall when he he was was out, he was really good. And when he was out last year, they were four and four in big East play and their four wins, two of them were over to Paul one was over a bad Butler team, and the one of them came over Xavier, where they, they smacked Xavier around in a, in a bad performance by the Musketeers. But that UConn team without James Booknight didn't inspire a lot of confidence for me last year. So I think they're going to be elite defensively. They're super long, they're tough, and they're athletic, and they really rebound around the basket well, especially on the offensive end, because they block too many shots on defense to be a great defensive rebounding team. But they get a lot of stickbacks on offense, so that's one way they can score but I would have a major question mark about how they will score. So if you're going to tell me that Xavier in third or Seton Hall in fourth or St. John, or actually I think St. John's was fourth and Seton Hall was fifth in the, the coaches rankings. I had those two flip-flops, but either way, basically from two to five, I think is wide open. And you could tell me those teams are going to finish in any order and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like St. John's, for instance, I think they have the best duo in the league with Julian Champagny and Posh Alexander. The problem is, those are like the only two guys they brought. That's back. all they get. Like and every, was a everyone, pick, yeah. Now they got some good transfers, but it's just like, how is that all going to mesh together? And Mike Anderson, do you trust all I, that? I, so. I, I like Mike Anderson. I do. I think I he's solid. Yeah, I do yeah. too. I like Mike. Yeah. I think he was a, a stabilizing force for St. John's. I think he was, he was a good change of pace after the Chris Mullins fiasco. So he, he's done an okay job, but you know, they, they just have such a high roster turnover from year to year. It's you'd like to see them, figure that out and get that thing stabilized a little bit more, even in this transfer portal era. But yeah, I think third was pretty good for Xavier anywhere from second through fifth would have been fine. And then after you get past fifth, Butler has everyone back. So I could see them maybe in a sleeper pick as six. They could, they could maybe outperform just because they have so much experience, even though they're not all that talented after that though, there's a major drop off in the conference this year. I think seven to 11 is, 
is a little bit down this year in the Big East. Then finally, we have NKU picked third in the Horizon League. Skinny, there were five different teams in the Horizon League to receive a first place. First place, vote. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah, I, I guess that tells you the depth of the league, although Cleveland State still got far and away the most. They got 30 of the, what was it, 44 vote first place votes. So obviously they were the runaway number yeah, one, right? They, State two. They won it last year and they bring right. back everyone. Yeah, they deserve so it's, it. hard to, it's hard not to pick them. But yeah, I mean, NKU third, second, third, second. Sure, that, that's that's probably right. I mean, you got two second team all, all league picks and you got a good roster. And I do think Zam Vincent's going to be great. I think he's going to be great. Um, and I think he's a guy that, you know, he's not a highly rated recruit. Probably a lot of people don't know who he is. Um, I know the coaching staff obviously knows who he is. Uh, so, you know, if you're voting on an NKU, you don't know a Sam Vincent from Fort Thomas Highlands. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good roster, Rick. I, I think they've got every chance in the world to win the league, but I think based on preseason voting, they probably got it right. Could you argue NKU second? Sure. I guess you could. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Detroit Mercy is in fifth. They've got the preseason player of the year, according to these voters in Antoine Davis. Yep. And they've got a guy in DJ Harvey, who at one time was a five-star recruit. He's bounced around a little bit from a, a couple of different high majors. But I mean, you're still talking about a 6'6 athletic skilled scorer who at the Horizon League level, there's not a whole lot of guys of his talent level. I would assume there's a little bit of baggage there with the way he's bounced around. But I mean a couple other high major transfers. This Detroit Mercy team picked fifth has a lot of guys that are high level talents to be in the horizon league. We don't see a whole lot of them. And then at right ahead of them, Milwaukee, you've got a all league second team guy in Deandre Golston combined with a five-star freshman coming in and Patrick Baldwin jr. So uh, there is talent in this league and, and high end talent on some of these teams that are picked in kind of sleeper positions that we don't normally see. It's going to be a really interesting year in the Horizon League overall. Cleveland State, the top team, I would say probably has like sixth or seventh best talent if you're talking about who the best player on their roster is. Yeah, and those road trips are, are just going to be murder this year for everybody, right? Because it's those back-to-backers, um, not, not same team, not doing the COVID thing, but you're playing uh, your 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 partner team, I guess, if you will. I mean, it, it, there's not going to be a road trip where you go, okay, you can go you can go on that road trip and sweep it. No, you you better hope you split most of the road trips this year. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you look at that Detroit and Oakland swing is going to be really difficult this year. It usually has been you go up there, you pound on Detroit, and then you play a tough game against Oakland. Not the case this year. Both of those two teams are going to be pretty darn good. I mean, Cleveland State, Youngstown State, same situation. It, it's going to be a great year in the Horizon League. And like I said, even some of those teams that aren't as high up have some really unique talents on their roster to where it's going to be just a fun year for watching the individual matchups on the court. And again, I'm a little surprised. I mean, Antoine Davis, he's been around forever. He's put up crazy numbers in the league. I'm a little surprised, though, that the league gets a five-star talent, a guy who has a chance to be a lottery pick in Patrick Baldwin Jr., and he doesn't get named preseason player of the year. Uh, that, that I was like, eh, it's not exactly a great sign to be sending out to other five-stars who might want to stick around in the league. Good point. Yeah, that's, that's really all I got on that. you have anything else on the uh, college basketball preseason awards or polls? No, we've, we've been so neck deep with college football because it's been so good around here this year that, that we've kind of let college basketball. I know it hasn't snuck up on you, but it's probably snuck up on a lot of people. I'm getting into the flow. It's like getting that. I love this time of the year where last night I had a college football game, Coastal Carolina. And absolutely yep. it was a great finish on, on Thursday night game of the week. And then on the bottom TV, you had an unbelievable NBA game in overtime, double overtime with the Celtics and the Knicks. Having those two on the, the two TVs at the same time, that felt great. I'm ready for college basketball and college football to be going at the same time now. Not too far away. We're getting there. All right, let's get into our betting segment where, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we both were nine and five last week. Skinny, if people have been following you this year, they are now 48, 27, and one if they just blindly tailed all of your picks. It, unbelievable. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good profit margin if you want to play with me. You are smoking hot here in our pick'em. I'm just, actually hey, not, listen, just don't take Texas, everybody. Good thing I've not put them on the podcast as a pick. They have just killed me the last two weeks. I will say, I had a really good four teamer um, on Monday where I had the Red Sox, the Red Sox over Tennessee on the money line, and Tennessee over. Well done. Yeah, well that done. was a good one for me. That 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 was a good that made, that made for a good weekend. 
I am now 42, 33 and one. So starting to show a little bit of yep. a profit margin after yep. a slow start there. Kentucky football has the week off. We'll start on Thursday night, 8.20 p.m. We've got Broncos at the Browns. Baker Mayfield is out. Nick Chubb is out. Kareem Hunt is out. Some linemen are out. The, the Browns are running out of skeleton crew. They are the two-point favorite, though. 41 and a half is the total. And Denver's just gone south into the 3-0 start. And I think you can look back at the 3-0 start and go, yeah, it's because of the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. Stay. Um, yeah, correct. And since then, it's been Ravens, Steelers, Raiders. Uh, so the Browns are somewhere in between, right, of, of that mix. And they're hurt, as you mentioned. Uh, to me, the, 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 the number to play is, is the under, um, the under 41. Uh, Case Keenum's going to play quarterback. Uh, boy, this Teddy is a tough Bridgewater's one. Bridgewater's playing, playing quarterback. Yeah, this is a tough one for me just because I don't think either team is any good, to be quite honest with you. Um, how about we do this? I'll go Cleveland 6, Denver 2. They get a safety <laughs> at some point. So Cleveland Cleveland in the under for me. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I don't think I, I don't think I, if I'm, if I, I'm, I'm not going to touch the, 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 the game itself. I, I will probably make an underplay here and I don't play totals very often. Yeah. I'm not a totals guy in real life either, but we're on the same wavelength here. I'm not quite as uh, exotic as you with the six to two pick. I am on Browns and the under though. I, I think everyone wants you to look at this game and say no Baker Mayfield, no running backs for the Browns. How can you pick them? But to me, a, a two point line over the Broncos is a gift. Like I think the the Browns yeah, I do may, too. Yes, the, the the Broncos stink, and the Browns defense is still pretty good. They might get a defensive touchdown or something. Or you're giving you're giving us. Uh, I guess you're giving the Broncos a safety here. But you've got all types of weird things going on in your game, so you're predicting a defensive dominated game too. I'm going 17-14 Browns. They they win by the field goal. So Browns in the under for both of us. Saturday at noon, we've got UC at Navy. The Bearcats are a 28-point favorite as of this morning on DraftKings. That line has been bouncing around a little bit. I got it 27 and a half on Wednesday night. The total is 49. Um, yeah, UC under Marcus Freeman really had Navy's number. I, you know, I, Navy just, it's not the same Navy team that it's been in the last few years. Again, I think UC wins by the number it wants to, and even though this is on the road, um, I just don't see Navy stopping UC. Um, I'm just going to try to pick a weird number here. I'm going to go. I'll go UC 45 to 10. I think UC covers and it goes over. Well, no reason for me to say anything else. That's the exact score that I had as well. <laughs> the the only thing I would say is UC's been scored in the 50s, but Navy's yep. running will keep it a little lower score than that just because they'll burn up some clock on you. So 45-10, same as me. Saturday, 3.30, we've got Miami, Ohio at Ball State. The Cardinals are a five-point favorite. The uh, total is 52 here. Yeah, I keep fading Miami. I faded them last week. You did not. You actually I that was keep one of my losses tailing them, and week. they're screwing I, me like they I, always yeah. do. Um, Ball State's on a bit of a roll here. They started off uh, one and three, uh, but they've won three in a row. They beat Army by double digits. They beat Western Michigan by 25. They're coming off a touchdown win at Eastern Michigan, and now they're coming back home. They can put points up on the board. I'm going to go Ball State 31, Miami. No, I'll go Ball State 38, Miami 27. All right, so that is Ball State covers easily, and, and that goes over big time as well. I like the over here. Um, I'm going to stick with it. I don't know why they keep screwing me, but I'm afraid to get off the train now because this is when they'll screw me the other way and get a big win. I'm going to stick with the Red Hawks. I'm going Miami 28, Ball State 27, Miami and the over for me, and I will continue my tradition of not caring at all about Miami, Ohio football games or watching them on the weekend. Saturday, 7.30 p.m., Ohio State, a 21-point favorite at Indiana. The total is 60 and the hook. Uh, very simply, Ohio State, 52-17. That, that Akron game got this team right, boy. I'm just telling I, I know it's been Rutgers and Maryland since. Well, you can, you can lump Indiana in that category of overmatched teams that they've played here since that Akron game. Yep. And, and I think they continue to roll. It might even be more than that, but I'll just go. I'm, I'm going to actually go conservative and go Ohio State 52-17. And I think it could be worse. Yeah, Well, Indiana is the perfect team for Ohio State to run up the score in a big way on because their offense is totally inept. The, the defense for Ohio State has been much better, 
but this isn't a team that could uh, take advantage of them, even if they hadn't gotten better. Like Ohio State's defense is still overwhelmed this Indiana offense, and Indiana's defense is okay, but not good enough to slow down this Ohio State team if they're getting the ball a lot and getting off the field on third down on defense. So I'm going 52-17 OSU in the over as well. Sunday, 1 p.m., we've got the Bengals at the Ravens. Ravens are a six-and-a-half-point favorite as of this morning. The total is 47. Yeah, I, I I can't pick an outright Bengals win here. I think this is a really I think they've they're proven to be a really good team, um, and 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 they're gonna make obviously as I mentioned they're gonna make I think December very interesting because I think they're gonna follow up this game with honestly back to back wins. I think they beat the Browns too. I think they follow finish the bye week six and three, but I think this is the the, the loss in between. But I do think they 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 stayed close. I mean, their two losses are three points, and and I know the one was extraordinarily ugly in Chicago. Uh, but they've even the two losses they were right there to have a chance. So I'll, I'll go, I'll go Baltimore twenty three twenty. So the Bengals get the cover and it goes under the total. Because I think this defense is actually equipped to 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 slow down Lamar Jackson just because it's just it's got more speed, it, it's got more ability at the point of attack. Um, I, I think they they slow this Ravens offense down enough to to hang around. And I just don't see the I I, I think the Bengals will still struggle at times on offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you're right about the defense because this is a different challenge. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just different to face than most running teams. Shutting down the run against the Ravens isn't the same as shutting down the run against a lot of other teams. Right. So it will be a different test. I'm hoping you're right that they're up to that challenge. Even still, I just feel like the Bengals are going to be ultra conservative in this game. That last five games, the Bengals total has gone under. I, I don't think it'll be a shock to see that happen again, but I do think the Ravens will, will put up enough points to win this one comfortably and cover. I'm going to say Ravens 28, Bengals 17. So I've got Ravens in the under here. Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. We've got the Colts at the 49ers. The 49ers are a four and a half point favorite and the total is 44. Yeah, uh, the, the Colts have played really well here of late. They beat the Dolphins on the road handily, um, lost that crazy overtime game to the Ravens. Um, uh, on that on that Monday nighter where they blew the big lead and then bounced back and manhandled the Texans like like you should manhandle the Texans. Their defense is actually if you take away the one and the, the quarter plus that Lamar Jackson played out of his mind in that Ravens game, their defense has been really good the last three weeks. And now you're playing Trey Lance. Niners offense is 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 is, is woeful. I'm going to go the Colts actually in an outright win here on the road. I'll go Colts. I'll go Colts twenty, San Francisco seventeen. So the Colts and the under for me. I'm on the same boat of Colts pulling out the outright win. Uh, Indianapolis seven and two against the spread in their last nine road games. Carson Wentz is back. He looked good last week. The fourth quarter drive was impressive. I I really like the way this team is playing right now. To be quite honest, I, I thought they were going to stink at the beginning of the year. I think they're a solid average I, I do NFL team at this point. I think the 49ers are pretty bad. To be quite honest, and I don't even know. Who's going to play quarterback for for them in this game? I thought they were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo potentially coming no, back, fine. which I don't know if that makes them any better. Right, so exactly. I'm going to go uh, Colts 20, 49ers 17, Colts in the under here. And that brings us to our final game, Monday night, 8.15 p.m. We've got Saints at the Seahawks. Saints are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 42-and-a-half. Yeah, um, listen, the fact that Russell Wilson isn't there is, is one thing. The other thing is, is this. Here are the last five games defensively for the for the the, uh, the Seahawks. Gave up 33, gave up 30, gave up 21 to the Niners, gave up 26, and gave up 23 to the Steelers, which isn't a very good offense. I think part of their issue is this is just not that. Listen, we 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 everybody get Seattle out of your mind. They're one of the teams I thought was going to be a, a bad team to begin with this year. I think it's been made even worse. Listen, I actually think Geno Smith played 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 pretty well last Sunday night, but. Until he fumbled I, the game away. Until he fumbled the game away. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I, it's hard to believe that that I'm going to lay points at Seattle, which always has had that great home field advantage. Um, but I think New Orleans goes in there and handles them fairly easily. I'll go New Orleans. I'll go New Orleans 27-17. So the Saints in the over for me. We're really close here, but it's going to change the the total. I've got Saints 24, Seahawks 17. So I've got Saints and the under, but. Same thing as you. I I just am not impressed by the Seahawks all the way around. I thought last week uh, that Steelers game was a perfect example. I mean, that went almost exactly how I predicted it would go on the podcast. And Jameis is, you know, he's 
erratic and he'll lose you a couple games a year for certain, but he can score points. I mean, he can move the ball on for, the for both teams. Side. For both teams, he can score points. For both teams. Like I said, he'll lose you a couple games a year, no doubt about it, when he turns the ball over. But when he doesn't, he is productive. He does move the ball up and down the field. They can put up some points. So uh, against the Seahawks defense, I think they'll be fine. All right. Time for some Ask Any Anything. We'll start off with a question from our guy, Dan. And he says, this is the 20-year anniversary of Pardon the Interruption. I think the actual anniversary date is Friday, the 22nd. So we're right on time probably here as people are listening to this. He's curious what you think, Skinny, as a radio and TV veteran, of that show's influence on sports. Um, I think it's influ- I think it influenced more hot takey shows. I think the problem with a lot of the hot takey shows is it, it it they've turned into scream fests. I always thought. I don't watch part of the interruption like I used to. I I don't watch a lot of TV. I just don't have the time that I maybe used to have. I've got so much going on. But um, I it used to be appointment TV for me because I thought those guys were both well reasoned, funny, smart about their takes. Um, uh, and that's I I've always been a big Tony Kornheiser fan. I like Mike Wilbon too. I I not as much as I think Tony's just a clever clever dude. I think he's really smart. Um, and really smart about his sports takes, to be honest with you. So it, it was one of those early hot takey shows, but they did it in such a, I thought, a, I loved the rundown, the way they did it. Um, uh, they they had fun with each other. They could make fun of each other and and not have get their feelings butt hurt. And again, they didn't yell at each other. So to me, I, I thought, it, I think it's been a great show. I do think it spawned those hot take shows that I, I uh, they're like nails on a chalkboard for me. I, I can't do it. Um, so I don't do it. Um, those that do, so be it. So yeah, I think that's the influence it's had. But it's 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 a heck of a good run, man. Twenty years doing that that same. Literally, it's the same format. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden they decided to spruce things up with a different version of this or that. It's literally basically the same format, and it's worked. Well, and at the time, it was such a unique idea, and it it felt out of place compared to other things that were. Yeah, going I mean, there's on. no fancy. There's no fancy. I mean, it's, it's it's an old white guy and and a black guy um, and and two two newspaper guys basically at heart who had some TV and radio experience obviously and just this ugly graphic in between them basically of the rundown um, and it worked. Well, if you ran out that same exact show and started it today, everyone would be like, "Well, this is a diamond. It's a it's a." T- um, vanilla version of what we've got a million of already like this is the format that everyone tries and does now because it's it's easier and cheaper and and makes more sense it gets more clickbait segments than going through like highlights do you don't need highlight shows anymore on tv right and it's easier to produce than going out and doing actual research and interviews and and exposing good reporting and things like that so it spawned an entire genre and the way that sports is covered in general now in sports entertainment. But at the time it was totally unique. I mean, there was nothing else really like it. I remember when I was younger, when you'd see it on ESPN in the afternoons, it was a stark contrast compared to most of the other things that were on TV uh, on the channels, ESPN or ESPN two at the time. But the thing about them that I think you pointed out that is different and it remains different is they never took themselves overly seriously right. and they were never trying to do, I mean, in some ways they were hot takey, but they were never going to extremes really with their take. They were either trying to be witty, they were trying to be funny, or they had a well-reasoned point to make. Yes, yes. And now I mean, it's honestly, honestly, we're Steve, just like Steve, coming up with crazy off the wall things to say to get a click. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith is a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, uh, Skip, Bale- Skip, Skip Bayless, Bayless is a car- yeah. Skip Bayless is a cartoon character. Max Kellerman is a dope. Um, you know, so <laughs> honestly, th- these two guys, I-, I think, are like they're just really smart about it. They're well reasoned, and you're right. They can make fun of each other, laugh at stuff that, that needs to be laughed at, and I think that's why it worked. I think they honestly, you know what I think they were? I think they were genuine as opposed to being a cartoon character. I I'll even listen to somebody who's genuine if I disagree with them, just because I know, hey. That guy's real. He's at least making a real point as opposed to screaming something that he doesn't really even believe or half the time screaming something that's just moronic. Yeah. That's... I, I honestly, I don't know how anybody watches Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, or Max Kellen. I really, truly don't. I don't know how anybody does it. See, and I think there is a place. And Skip Bayless was a hell of a newspaper man. He was a terrific newspaper man, but he is a clown. I, I totally agree, but I also get why people watch it because it is funny. Like occasionally, I don't ever seek that stuff out, but occasionally when it's on, there are segments and there are topics where I go, well, 
I mean, that is just a good sports argument. And for the casual sports fan that maybe isn't tuning into this stuff and reading up on it and really staying locked in in the way we do, I can see where there is a big market to have these, you know, the the Jordan versus LeBron type of debates over and over and over again and just scream at each other. I kind of get why there's a market for it, and I understand why it works. But, I mean, they were so different from that while also being kind of the the godfathers of that format yes, in a lot yep, of ways. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Andrew wants to know, how many more times this year will we see Jerry Jones's kiss? Uh, what did you think of Jerry Jones' kiss with his son, Skinny? Did you see that? Yeah, I'm okay. I, I don't know how many more times we're going to see it. I'm okay with that. I mean, who doesn't show affection to their children, right? Yeah. Even if they're grown adults. Yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly not someone who typically wants to shame people for... My my father would my my my, my listen. My father was not extraordinarily affectionate, but even into my adulthood and later life, occasionally when I'd like go visit or go for dinner, he'd kiss me on top of the head when I left. I was yeah, okay with it. I think everyone could understand the top of the head thing. I think the I weird know. part about this was like the aggressively coming at each other with almost an open mouth. Yeah, look I, I'm, I'm noting you. I'm noting that two old guys. It was just a weird visual. I mean, everyone got on Tom Brady with the way he was open mouth kissing his son with tongue. <laughs> and um, now you've got Jerry Jones and his like 60 year old son doing it. It was a weird visual. I'll it say was a weird that. Visual. I mean, yes. I feel like I'm pretty comfortable on my masculinity, but I will say I, if my father did that, I would be like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? And maybe he was in the sauce a little bit too. <laughs> I'd say there's a good chance they were both in the sauce. Yeah, I just want to know, like, do you not turn to your wife and do that after like maybe turn to your wife and kiss her first after the game? And I don't know. It was, it was a little bit weird to watch. Uh, did the Browns finish above 500 with all the injuries? I think they do. I think they have too much talent. Honestly, the, the injuries have been a factor for sure, but so that defense has been a mess. Part of it, again, injury related. Yeah, I think they got too much talent not to, but you could see it disintegrating. I mean, it, it's it's very possible because, I mean, already the, the, the narrative is time to move on from Baker Mayfield. I don't think this is all Baker's fault by any stretch. I mean, that defense has been a mess. Um, I'll say they do because they just have too much talent. Yeah, and the defense doesn't make sense. I mean, because the defense is talented still. Like they're they've got some wreckers, especially up front, but they have had their issues. There's no doubt about that this year. It, I'm with you. I think they'll pull it together. I don't see them finishing below 500. But well, and, and all I will say it's getting the, interesting in the AFC North. I don't know if they're yeah, going to be I, in what, the playoffs. I, I will say this. I mean, if if they do lose to Denver, which is a bad team, and I know it's going to be injury related, um, that might swing the pendulum big time. It's all of a sudden you start counting wins. I mean, granted, I think they have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the way, but that's also probably the way people are looking at before the season is, well, the Bengals are going to be too easy wins for them. Right. All of a sudden, right. that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. You still no, I, beat the I, Bengals. I'll be twice. honest. I think, it, it, well, I, I will say, if the if the Bengals beat the Ravens and they'll likely beat the Jets, I think the Bengals are favored over Cleveland when they come here. And that, they still oh. may be favored anyway. No, quite. yeah, if the Bengals beat the Ravens, they'll definitely be favored over the Browns. But it's to the point where... Even if they don't beat the Ravens, both of it those Bengals Browns games are looking very interesting. All of yes, a sudden. very, very much so. So, all right, Skinny, and we'll wrap it up with this. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, someone wants to know your thoughts on the latest Bitcoin run. You a big cryptocurrency guy? I am not. I do have a friend of mine that bought a bunch of. Was it how do you pronounce it? Doge. Dogecoin. Coin? Yeah, and he 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 bought it. I mean, I'm talking about a sizable investment. And he said he watched it in like a week's time go up to. Um, his investment go up to 72 grand, dip to 28 grand. And I, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I just stopped watching. He said, I'm just in it for the long run. And I, 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 I keep asking the question is what can you do with this stuff right now? And the answer is nothing. It has no value. So why are people investing in it? I don't understand it. <laughs> there we go. I think that's all people wanted to hear. I think that was the only reason that question was asked, right? Right, and, that, that and that's rant. fine. I, I don't need to understand it, but honestly, what can you do with it, Rick? I, I've got nothing for you. I am not going to be uh, the guy trying to explain now, cryptocurrency you, you, on a podcast. You, you, that's you, for you, damn sure. You've done some day trading, right? You don't do it all the time, but don't yeah. you do some? I did. The, I did do. I'm in some stocks. Yeah, mostly right. gambling stocks. Right. Um. So you you know some of that stuff I, again. I'm I'm just I've been trying to figure out the whole fascination with this stuff when it has no real value. It'll be interesting to see going forward if more places start accepting it as a form of payment. As yeah, when we, when we, some when we all live on Mars one day, 
<laughs> exactly right. I mean, again, I've got nothing for you. And I, I, that's that's what I said. I said, dude, when, when it went up to to basically, you you made about, I, I, he made about twenty five grand when he looked at it at one point. I said, why did you not just get out then? I said, you made an easy twenty five grand off the backs of a bunch of idiots like yourself. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm just in it for the long run. It's kind of like my four hundred one k. I just don't look at it. I said, all right. I mean, hey, I'm gonna tell you, you do. I'm always a big you do you guy, right? I mean, you do you. But I'm just thinking to myself, what, what if this thing eventually people go, yeah, this is not value. This has, the, 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 the bottom just drops right out. And some of the prices that that stuff trades for, my God. Skinny, would you say you're more what? of an NFT guy or more of a cryptocurrency guy? I'm more of a dollar bill guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. Gold hard cash guy. Gold hard cash. I'm still a guy that has a cigar box that he throws his change in at night. That's me. I'm that guy. I like that. Yeah, that's a good move. Except the problem is now you can't go to a bank and turn your change in for cash anymore. You got to go to one of those little Kroger things and dump it in, and they take a 15% cut. I feel like I'm going to a bookmaker and getting getting the juice squeezed out of me. Well, and and now there's like plastic bags over those saying you can't use it because of COVID. So you're really screwed now. (laughs) Well, either that (laughs) I'm just going to save for a few years and then dump it in there and be real surprised when I get back all of $127 for all of my savings. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be one hell of a weekend of beer and (laughs) gas for you. And and then I'll roll that to a giant pick four somewhere and probably lose it and it'll be all gone and within two races. There you go. I'll I'll save for three years for a pick four. Good for me. Oh, I am going to Keeneland uh, next weekend. So very nice. What what day are you going? The 30th, the last day. Friday, I think. Yeah, that's or, that no, the Saturday. No, that's Saturday. That's Saturday. Yeah. Great, great. Hopefully the weather's nice. It's uh, it's one of my five and gone in a couple of years. Obviously, COVID was part of that. I don't have time to go for this meet, but uh, I'm looking forward to going uh, in, in April when the April meet comes back. Always a good time. Always a good time. So there we go. I, I just don't get the whole Bitcoin doge. I, I said, what, what can you buy with it right now? He goes, I guess you can go buy a Tesla. I said, great. Okay, go buy yourself a Tesla. Take your 22 grand out, put it as a down payment for a Tesla. He should. He should. We should get in some cryptocurrency for the podcast and just see where it goes from there. We'll you ask to, Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending to. I was gonna say you want you want to, you want to, you want to get a GoFundMe for this. We'll, we have the Skinny Podcast Bitcoin Fund, and we'll all we'll all we'll all wallow together, or we'll all come away rich together. We'll buy one percent of a Bitcoin that's costing <laughs> sixty six grand right now. I know. I see it on occasion. I'll flip through it. I'll stop on a financial channel, and for whatever reason, they'll start showing Bitcoin. I'll go. How can it be trading? What is it worth? <laughs> How can it be trading that high? And if you had it, if you bought low at that point, my word, get out. Well, what if it goes over a hundred K? What if it dips to 0.00? Cause it's not worth a damn thing. <laughs> right, that's, all. that's talking finance with yep, the, hey, the skinny th- podcast. Yep. Hey, th- thanks for that question. We appreciate yep. that very much. All right. Yep. Keep the questions coming as always. We appreciate it. You can do it with the hashtag ask skinny anything. Literally. You can ask me anything like, Questions like that that I have no real answer for. So I'll give you an answer. It may not be the right answer. It may not be the answer you're looking for, but I'll give you an answer. Yeah. All uh, disclaimers apply that we do not give real financial advice and this should only correct. be taken that, as entertainment. And, and, and honestly, I'm not sure we I'm sure we should maybe put a disclaimer on the on the gambling advice too as well. <laughs> yeah, so, gamble responsibly, certainly. Gamble responsibly. We're the poster that, that, child that, for that. That is that is that is absolutely one thousand percent accurate. All right, Rick, I appreciate it. We'll be back with the uh, Bengals podcast on Sunday after the uh, Bengals Ravens game. So please join us for that. We'll be back with this podcast week from today. Thanks for being with us. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, brought to you by Ryan Keefer of Prime Lender.